0: Hey, hey, any youth leaders out there? Serving with youth in the church is probably one of the most enjoyable callings, but it brings with it a lot of responsibility. How do we effectively lead this rising generation? Well, I have good news for you. Leading Saints has organized the Young Saints virtual library, where we have 20 plus hours of presentations all about how to lead youth. We cover topics like how to help youth transition into adulthood, how to help them avoid loneliness, how to handle smartphones in class, and we even go over scientific data about how Latter-day Saint youth differ from other youth. If you'd like to review the Young Saints Library at no cost for 14 days, simply go to LeadingSaints.org 14. That's LeadingSaints.org slash one While you're at it, we'll give you access to all of our virtual libraries that cover several leadership-related topics. So click the link in the show notes or simply visit LeadingSaints.org 14 So my name is Kurt Francom, and I am the founder and executive director of Leading Saints and obviously the host of the Leading Saints podcast. Now, I started Leading Saints back in 2010. It was just a hobby blog, and it grew from there. By the time uh, 2014 came around, we started the podcast, and that's really when it got some uh, traction and took off. Uh, 2016, we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we've been growing ever since. And now I get the opportunity of an of interviewing and talking with remarkable people all over the world. Now, this is a segment we do on the Leading Saints podcast called How I Lead, and we reach out to everyday leaders. They're not experts, gurus, authors, PhDs. They're just everyday leaders who've been asked to serve in a specific leadership calling, and we simply ask them how is it that you lead? And they go through some remarkable principles that should be in a book, that should be behind a PhD. <laughs> they're, uh, they're usually that good. And uh, we just talk about uh, sharing what the other guy is doing. And I remember being a leader, just simply wanting to know okay, I know what I'm trying to do, but what's the other guy doing? What's working for him? And so that's why every Wednesday or so, we publish these How I Lead segments to share. Right, Colette Hall. Welcome to the Leading Saints podcast.
1: It's great to be here. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, and uh, you've been listening to Leading Saints for a while now, or been familiar with it. Uh, most recently, we connected at the Leading Saints Women's Retreat that we had in September of, of 2022. Maybe just tell the audience uh, about that retreat, that experience, and uh, good or bad. Let's uh, let's get some feedback and whether people should consider it in the future.
1: Yeah, I would. I would highly recommend it. I would highly. Good. It. I I actually went by myself. I um, tried to find a friend to go with me and and nobody was available but I decided just to go by myself and first of all the food was great. like that is a high requirement yeah, for it
2: is. for retreat.
1: Yeah. You gotta have good food. Yeah. So the food was great. the setting was awesome and um, I feel like the content there was really really valuable. And um, the opportunities to connect with other women who are uh, leading in the church and in their community and in the family and at work, all of that was was very powerful and inspiring. And then there were um, lots of opportunities for us to develop um, small group or one-on-one yeah. relationships. And I think I like that the best. Yeah, those cool. built in very deliberate, intentional moments to connect with other people and learn from from our peers, and that was powerful.
0: Yeah, well, I, it was so fun just to you know even with sitting down with you and hearing your experience and and things you're working on, and just I, you're currently the stake young women's president, is that right?
1: In the presidency, first
0: counselor. Oh. Okay. First counselor. Gotcha. And, uh, what, what part of the world are you in? And, uh,
1: yeah, we're right in, now. uh, Northern Utah area mm-hmm. in Syracuse. Lots of people don't know where that is. It's by Layton and, uh, we're the Syracuse West stake. And we ju- we actually just got split. We used to have 14 wards. Oh, wow. And they split us in half just very, very recently. And so cool. I was serving in the previous stake and now in our new stake. Awesome.
0: And you're getting a temple there soon.
1: It is 1.2 miles to walk there. <laughs> oh man, already, what a life. I've already <laughs> charted it out because I, cool. I, I'll tell you, I went to um, Hawaii. We, we like to travel there and my niece was doing baptisms. And so I was sitting outside the baptistry in, Le, in Lae Hawaii temple and two kids rode up on their bicycles to the temple
2: oh yeah so they, nice. like,
1: took their bikes down went inside took their shoes off to do baptisms for the dead and I <laughs> thought what would it be like what would it be <laughs> like to ride your bike to do <laughs> baptisms right yeah. and so when they announced the Syracuse temple I thought are you kidding me we can ride our bikes
2: there the
0: it is
1: can ride his bike he's 13 <laughs> he can ride his bike to the that's temple that's cool awesome yeah, very cool
0: well, and uh, at the retreat, we also talked about your your late husband, uh, Jason Hall, which uh, I guess you co authored a book with him called "Messy Victories: A Story of Allowing Grief, Pursuing Joy, and Rolling Forward." And I want to make sure we touch on this a little bit—the story behind it—before uh, we jump into some of the leadership principles from your uh, church leadership experience. But uh, I'd love to just start by honoring Jason, and uh, you know, I have many friends who are in the the motivational speaking industry. And uh, I never met Jason or I don't know if I even heard him speak, but I, I had heard of him and, and he is well regarded in those circles of the of professional speakers and whatnot. So let's just honor him for a minute and tell us about him and, and a little bit about his story.
1: Thank you. Thank you for, for asking for that. Yeah. Jason broke his neck when he was 15 years mm. old. And uh, I was at the C5C6 vertebrae. For those who are familiar with that, he was at Lake Powell when that happened. I didn't know him until we were at BYU together and we got married. He was already quadriplegic in a wheelchair when we got married and we were married Hmm. for 27 years before he suddenly passed away from something that was unrelated to to, uh, being a quadriplegic. But, you know, we had a lot of ups and downs throughout yeah. that time and throughout the 27 years together including it took us 16 years to have our one child our little miracle boy through in vitro and um yeah jason is is a, a great a great human being
2: yeah.
0: yeah and i from what i understand i mean i'm kind of naive in this world, but, you know, with quadriplegics, you, you sort of expect a, a shortened life to some extent. I mean, you don't expect them to live in their 80s and 90s, right? Or
1: Yeah, that- I mean, it's extending all the time. It's extending yeah, all the time cool. because, you know, care is much better. And so life expectancy is extending. But yeah, we we weren't really thinking, you know, he was going to be really old. But but yeah, he we had both been in a car accident a month earlier, and it had led to some complications that ended up taking his life suddenly, uh, one evening.
0: Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. And so, and he was in the middle of writing this book. Was he planning on just being the, the he didn't have a, you weren't the co-author at the time, but, no, uh, I
1: was not the co-author. I, <laughs> um, he was a motivational speaker. He would speak to corporations, companies, things like that. And so he was, he was basically writing like a leadership book for business. And, um, and when he passed away, I took over the project and instead of having it just be his story, I decided to make it our story. And so uh, the the stories and principles that he spoke from and and about, I intermingled those with my stories to teach different principles in each chapter of the book. And so it became, it became our book instead of his. And so I kind of am laughing here on earth and I'm sure he's rolling his eyes.
3: (laughs) That I the project
0: that's great. and is there I mean so he started writing it as a sort of a business leadership book. is there did the the target audience change as you picked it up and started finishing it?
1: Um I think that it did a little bit. Uh, I ended up I'm now a a coach for leaders, a success and self-management coach for leaders, but I was not at the time Mm -hmm. that I, that I put the book together. I felt like, um, it was probably more toward just personal development for the regular human being. And so anyone can, can get a lot of, um, just inspiration, maybe motivation insights from, all the stories that we share in there. And then I also incorporated uh, my experience with grief Hmm. after he passed and what that looks like with the principles that we were teaching about. And so it's like, Hey, here's 27 years of our life together and how we live these principles. And then this is what they look like after Jason died and going through the grieving process. And so you'll find nuggets anybody can yeah. find some some nuggets in there of cool. of wisdom for themselves
0: yeah awesome and i'm curious you mentioned before we hit recorded he was the elders quorum president in your ward at the time of his passing is that right correct and and how was that uh, i mean I think all of us have had some level of interaction with quadriplegics and they're quite independent, you know, with especially the technologies and the care that's available and and whatnot. But was there any unique dynamics of having a elder scorn president that's quadriplegic?
3: Yeah,
1: probably. Um, You know, he, he lived his life doing things differently than maybe what the tradition was um, because he had to, right. He couldn't get into places or whatever. So like home visits, we not a thing.
2: Oh, yeah. For
1: him. Does that make yeah. sense? Like, yeah, yeah. they weren't a thing. And so he figured out other ways to create connections or to um, use his uh, counselors in different ways. And and he just decided to make it work with what he had. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's really valuable because what happens oftentimes in, in this church, although it's it's different now after COVID, I think a lot of traditions are are being blown up a little bit and, and looked at differently. But um, sometimes we think something has to be a certain way. And there's a way to be a leader or a way to be a person in this church, a way to, to do your calling. And there probably isn't.
2: Yeah, yeah.
0: What about... Um... What could you teach us? Like, if you're speaking to a group of leaders that ha- are experiencing someone in their ward who's lost a loved one suddenly, like, what did you learn from your own experience going through that? As far as what you needed from from your ward or your stake or friends or um, anything to, to consider there, if if there's a similar situation elsewhere.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really insightful question, and I actually address this uh, somewhat in my book as well. Um, I can't remember which chapter it is, maybe chapter two. But there was a time early on in mine and Jason's marriage where we really needed help. And we thought that being independent, you know, taking care of ourselves was actually the strong way, the good way, the, the important way, the less vulnerable way, you know, whatever. And I was at a breaking point, literally at a breaking point and needed help. And I asked his dad to help me. Um, And so I found out really early on in our marriage, the value of asking for help.
2: Hmm. Yeah.
1: And it probably was one of the greatest lessons that I ever learned. The joy that can come when we allow someone to, serve us the love that we can have for that person that is serving us is a really big deal but also the strength that comes when when we allow ourselves to open up to somebody else and receive that service is actually much more powerful than we give it credit for
2: yeah and, and, so, and well wh- Oh, go ahead. So, yeah.
1: So that's, so here I am, you know, 27 years later, after learning that lesson and living a life of asking when we needed help and being, and also trusting that a person would believe me if I didn't need the help. Does that make sense?
2: Yeah. Like, yeah. I would
1: tell them if I needed it or if I didn't need it. And, and so then I just would trust them. And then now I learned to trust other people. Like if they say they don't need it, then they don't need it. If they need it, then they're Then they're going to say yes, and so when he died, and it left me and our son, who was ten at the time, I believe that the practice of accepting help was so easy for me because i had I had learned how to do it and seen the value of it. It wasn't that hard to ask. Mm. It wasn't that hard to, when someone else offered something to say, no, I don't need that. Actually, this would be helpful. As a matter of fact, it about a a year into, into it, I went to our elders quorum president and I was like, listen, my ministering brothers are awesome, but I don't really need visits. I have support in that area, I have, you know, spiritual support. I can talk to my neighbor who was, was really influential that way. What I need is a handyman.
3: Mm. That's what can I need. You need get a handyman. <laughs> and they said, I have one right next door to me. Oh, cool. Can you just assign him
1: <laughs> to be my ministering brother? Because I already asked him Yeah. things. Could, could he just be the guy for me? And so they, they changed that. Like I asked them, I told them exactly what I needed. Right. And then they honored that. And so in, in the sense of asking for help people, we really resist this.
2: Yeah. Man, that's so really true.
1: Really and women too. I mean, it's like, here, imagine this, like we are willing to serve. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah. Why are
1: we so willing to serve? Like, why do we want to bring the meal or do the moving or whatever it is that the person needs? Like, we we want to give, right? We mm-hmm. we're open to that, but then for some reason we have this weird interpretation of what it means to receive that kind of service. Yeah. And we're not willing to be the one that is served because it's like, well, I should be stronger. I should be able to handle this or, or whatever it is. And so our brains get kind of this weird narrative going about service that I don't think is useful and helpful at all.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I love that. I mean, it is sort of this skill set or this thing you have to practice of, of asking for help. Um, and I love just that, that example of, you know, you going to the elders quorum president and having a conversation with him of what you need and administering rather than what you don't need. And because they're, you know, and, and th- that simple conversation, man, what a, I bet your Elderscorn president was very grateful for that insight and was happy to make the change. And now, you know, he felt like, oh, great. You know, I'm helping Colette a little bit more by, by making this change and, and away you go.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that's one thing is to, um, be open enough to ask for what you actually need. Mm -hmm. And then I would say the thing about grief is everybody experiences it differently. And so it's difficult to say, Hey, this, this strategy works Mm. for grief. For helping somebody with grief because I promise you, what worked for me and was helpful for me is the opposite. Yeah. You know, somebody else. <laughs> and bet. so yeah. that's why asking, and then the person who is grieving can also ask or respond or be open to what is being asked. Then that's how I think that we can we can do a little better.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: what does that person really need? Does the person need somebody to sit with them at church? I don't need that. I'm Mm -hmm. fine going Mm -hmm. to church by myself or with my son. He's up at the sacrament table or whatever, you know, like I'm fine being by myself at church, but somebody else that might be like the thing that they just really desperately need and nobody knows it. And so rather than assuming or trying to like fix something that we're not quite sure about, I think asking. Yeah. I guess I could just say in grief in general is different for everybody, and yeah. so it's okay, yeah. whatever your grieving process is is okay,
0: yep, yeah, just like most things, there's no like universal you know five step plan that you just do these things and everything will be be better, you know it's just you just you know have to fill it out and and uh and lean in a little bit, so um, so maybe let's shift to your time at the stake young women's presidency. What, what, uh, how did that all begin at, did you have a, a, many years before that in, in ward young women's or.
1: I have served in young women's off and on. Um, I was not, I was serving in the young women's right before I got this calling, but only for a short time.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I have, I have experience in, um, Primary stake, primary Relief Society, but not as much in in young women's most recently. But um, this was after Jason passed away. They asked me if if I wanted to do this calling, and and this is also another. I mean, I have no idea how they train, you know, bishops and stake presidents to to issue callings. But I am really grateful for the way that it went down. For oh, me. tell us about it. Yeah, because um, it was only maybe a year and a half after Jason had passed away. I had a, you know, Coleman, my son at that point was in the deacon's quorum. So he was, he would have been like 11 or something. And um, I had served previously in the stake primary for five years And, you know, you go to ward conferences and you have a lot of responsibilities on Sundays. And during that time, my husband had been in the hospital quite extensively. And so I and my son was very tiny at the time. And so I had to get a babysitter to Mm. go to ward conferences or to visit, you know, do all my responsibilities as a stake in the state primary. And so here we were, you know, now five years later, whatever, six years later. And Jason had just died. And so they were wondering, like, is this a thing, single mother, that we should call her to do? And our stake president said, why don't you ask her?
2: Mm.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like even before extending the call, right?
1: Before extending the call. Why nice. don't you ask her? Because again, we fall into this trap of assuming. Yeah. Right. Yes, we assume a lot of things. and so on on the outside, on the outside, it looks like this would be a hard thing for Colette to do. And so yeah. they called me. the The counselor called me in the state presidency, and he said, "This is what we're thinking.
3: This is what we want. What do you think you can say no He's like, "Why don't you think about it?" And I was like, "Well, okay,
1: It's during Covid." Word conferences are on Zoom. My child is now 11 instead of three Yeah, <laughs> or
3: four, you know. And I thought, I can do this. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And,
2: and then,
0: it,
3: it would have been fine if I'd said no,
1: to. Yeah.
0: And, he, and he, I, I love how he laid that open for you, right? Like, you can say no. You have permission to say no. and.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I can think about it critically and like, no, really, I actually think I can do this Mm -hmm. and this would be fine. And then I asked my son, I said, you know, I'm going to, they're thinking about this calling and I am going to have to be gone on Sundays. Sometimes you might have to go to church by yourself.
3: He says, that's fine, mom. (laughs) Nice.
1: No problem. And so to me, that, that is so, foreign almost but makes so much sense just ask
0: yeah just ask right so then you you called him back and said you're good to go and then yeah. pretty much extended the call from there yeah cool It deal. Nice. nice
1: so so yeah it, it i don't know just ask sometimes yeah. we assume awesome
0: how would you describe just the the lay of the land in your stake as far as the the young women's you know organization is is concerned obviously syracuse seems to be a booming area, lots of growth obviously you just went through a, a stake split uh, but what what else would you add to just put, sort of put that in context
1: um well you know the the youth led program was was introduced right before covid and then everything shut down and so there there's kind of a weird i think probably everyone feels like this where there's there's sort of this this disconnect of, uh, understanding what the program is and then also being able to implement it, Mm -hmm. you know, in like a real life way. And so we, we dealt with that and we had 14 wards, you know, a lot of people, but I have a master's degree in education and I have owned my own business and now I'm a, I'm a coach for leaders. And so I felt like the things that we could offer our ward leaders was actually really powerful and um effective for them Mm -hmm. and so we just decided to go for it and to teach and train and support the very best way we could in the most um simple ways and supportive ways that we could and that was that was how we we decided to tackle this
0: yeah and what, what came out of that was as far as plans or, um, you know, t- what type of meetings or was it virtual or, and what does it look like now and so forth?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk about that. So I'm going to tell you just a tiny little story about Jason and I again. So okay. Jason was in a motorized wheelchair, uh, but he could, you know, function it himself basically, but we would travel sometimes for his speaking. And one time we were in London and of course we always have to take elevators right? Uh-huh. And so we were going out of the elevator and there's this voice that speaks to you over there, this lovely voice that says, mind the gap, mind <laughs> the gap. You know, that little, that little gap between yeah. like when you're in the elevator and you got to go out of the elevator. There's like a space there, right? Yeah. And so the little voice was telling us to mind the gap. And i thought about that so much with, with the youth led program and my job as a stake leader, Because this minding the gap is, I think the trouble spot for most leaders,
2: Mm.
1: for most leaders. And so imagine a gap, like you are at a certain point, like I am at a certain place and our general leaders want me to be across the gap in another place. Right. And so like, Trained me, they they give me the app to look at, you know, all this stuff to help me get across the gap, right? But there's this gap from where I am and where they want me to be. And the same thing is true for for us stake leaders to the adult leaders in the wards. There is a gap. Every single person has a gap from where they are to where, like they want to be, or where their their leader wants them to be. And so think of that in terms of the youth. Every single one of them has a gap. Yeah. They're at a certain point. As leaders, we want them to get to another point. And there's space in between that. There's space in between that. And so the goal really is to mind the gap. For each of those individuals. And oftentimes we lead from one side of the gap or the other. So like, let's say we are, we're where
3: they are on one side and we think that they can't Mm -hmm. do the job, right? Like they're not
1: capable. They don't have enough time or they don't have the skills or we could do it better. And
3: so we jump the gap and leave them in the dust right? Yeah. Leave them standing there, but we're over on the other side. Like, Hey, we just created an amazing activity.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so, so we think they can't do it and we leave them where they are, or we think that they are already across the gap.
3: And so what that sounds was, that sounds like is, well, we just need to let them lead. Have we ever heard that?
2: I have heard that a lot. Yeah.
3: We just need to let them lead, right? Uh-huh. Or
1: we just have to let them fail. Hmm. Yeah. And so what happens is we are not arming them with any skills or any tools to make it across the gap. We're just expecting them to jump it themselves.
0: Yeah. And so what would someone do in order to make sure that we're not jumping the gap without them? I mean, where, where do we start with that?
1: Yeah. So. um What I like to think about is asking ourselves some some really particular questions, understanding where each of the youth are. And then in my case, where each of the ward adult leaders are, right? And what that gap looks like for them. So first we have to identify that everybody's gap looks different. Mm -hmm. Everybody's needs are gonna be different, okay? And so when we do that, then we wanna say, okay, we would like them to get over here. I wonder what might be the most helpful in getting them from one way, from one side to the other. And so from a stake point of view, I like to look at it totally practical. Like, let's just not talk about vision, you know, of, oh, it's so amazing that these youth can lead and let's let them do it. It's like, no, how in the heck? <laughs> how? How? right? Like there's not enough how in my mind. And to me, that's my specialty as an educator, as a coach, I'm really good at figuring out simple hows. And so we want the practical way. And so what I like, what I wanted to, what I like saying to our leaders is, all right, ask the question, who is the mentor? In this situation. So, someone's giving a lesson, they're trying to plan an activity, you're trying to minister to somebody. Who is the mentor? And with young women leaders and young men leaders, there's usually a choice.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: There's multiple adults that can be the mentor, right? Or it could be an older girl, it could be whatever. So, who is the mentor? We're identifying who it is. And then, what is the best way to mentor in this situation? Yeah. In order to take a step into the gap and then the next step and then the next step. And so for, for youth, what that often looks like is they have a lack of skill in something,
3: right? Mm-hmm.
1: Like They have a lack of skill in leadership or a lack of skill in teaching, a lack of skill in their social abilities, their spiritual, their emotional, but it's usually just a lack of skill. And skills can be taught. That's what, that's what mentors do is they teach skills to help a person get to the next level. And so um, maybe they just don't like, know how to teach effectively or they don't know how to delegate or they don't know how to plan or they don't, like they need to learn. Mm-hmm. And so instead of just dropping them off on the, the one side of the cliff and saying, good luck on getting over
3: here, go lead. What skills do each one need, and so um, some of these
1: skills that they that they can start to develop—that's what we started paying attention to. So we said, "All right, one of the best ways that we can support and help our ward
3: leaders is to help them learn how to teach skills to their youth." Okay. Yeah. And so instead of just saying, hey, go teach the skills, go help them lead,
1: help them become leaders. Sometimes as adults, we don't have the skills.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah.
3: Right. I mean, like I went to a lot of college to learn how to be a teacher. And then we're asking youth, go be a good teacher. And they have no training. And then you might have an adult who doesn't know how to teach them how to be a good teacher right? Yeah. And yeah. so
1: how can we help them gain the skills? And, it, and I found it really interesting because um, if you understand where each youth is, then you can help them with the next skill that, skill that they need. Like We had a situation in our state where one cute 12-year-old um, or 13-year-old, they had planned an activity for the church Christmas party.
3: And she went early and set the whole thing up. And the other girls come, super excited. It's all set up. Hmm. And she says, no, I got it.
2: <laughs> right.
1: Right. And the other girls are like, wait, I wanted to do this too. You're like, I wanted to be a part of it. So that girl, her next level skill is how to include everyone in getting the job done. It's not, yeah. how are we going to plan this? It's how to minister and include everybody. Yeah. Next level skill. Right. And so um, as we try to help our adult leaders with the skills, one of the things we came up with was, um, was all of our meetings that we have, all of our training, anything that we do with presidencies, we invite all of the leaders, the adult leaders.
0: So everything you do as a stake Young Women's Presidency?
1: Yeah. So like if we're, if we're training the new ward presidency, uh-huh. we invite all of their adult leaders.
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay.
1: Okay. Because they're all on the same team. They're all doing the same stuff. Yeah. Everybody gets the same message and then they can move forward together of, you know, how they're going to make it happen. So every time we meet, it's with all the adults.
0: And most likely other. if some, one of them is, re- somebody in the presidency is released, they'll most likely pull from, Mm -hmm. Some of the other adult leaders, and now they've had that experience, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. and so that's one thing that we've done. Um, And then another thing that some of the needs that we've seen is adult leaders don't necessarily know how to train a class presidency. Hmm. I mean, it's on the app, but still, how to actually train them is kind of challenging. And so we decided to come up with a class presidency training. And um, it focuses solely on the sample presidency meeting agenda that is on the app right now. And it takes a class presidency through a sample presidency meeting that it actually turns into a real presidency meeting where we stop and start and stop and start and explain the different parts of that agenda. They go through the whole thing, they plan things, they, look at the lessons coming up, all of that. And by the time they're done with their training, they've had a presidency meeting. Mm-hmm. And so we, we did that once for award where all three class presidencies were in the room and we took them through the training. And then we, um,
3: we decided to make a lesson plan and a little introductory video so that All of
1: our new presidencies and the old ward presidencies can just use our training to train their
2: youth. Oh,
1: nice. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so we just send them the link of this little introductory video that we send them the lesson plan. And then they, in their wards, can train their own class presidencies. So for us, that is the support that we could give them instead of hey, go train your class presidencies. It's like if you need some help, yeah. This is how you do it. Using the resources that are already in the app. And so um we actually have that available for the for our leading saints listeners. Oh, cool. Yeah. So I have I have a special program. Share all
0: the things. That would be great. (laughs) Yeah, I love that that, you know, obviously maybe there's some you know, board presidencies that feel, you know, empowered and able to, to, you know, train the class presidencies, but others are, they don't know where to start. And the fact that they then have that to draw upon, and then they can feel like, and I'm doing, I'm doing it. You know, I, I'm not, uh, I've got a great resource here and away I go. So.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so the, for, um, from our perspective, that's how we support them to be able to teach the skill. Yeah. That is needed. That's cool. So and another thing that we have done is um, one of the things that kept coming up in our meetings was teaching skills and the youth being able to to teach an effective lesson. And so at our board conferences this last year, instead of teaching them just a lesson about a theme or, or whatever it was, we actually taught them how to teach. Nice. Yeah, nice. we went through a Sunday meeting and taught them what counsel together looks like
2: uh-huh.
1: we did a counsel together together uh-huh. and then we taught them actual teaching strategies that they practiced and then they can use those strategies in their teaching yeah because i mean let's let's be honest Those come follow me lessons they are three bullet points
2: uh-huh
1: with some questions like, how does a person know how to make a lesson out of that?
0: Right. Yeah. There's, there's a lot more, there's nothing, there's a big gap there. Right. <laughs> yeah.
1: And so then as adult leaders, you can also help each of the youth. Like, okay, what kind of help do they need with the lesson? Do they need a partner? Do they need mom to help them? Do you know, whatever it is, like, who's the mentor and how can we help them? Yeah. Succeed at this.
0: That's great. And I, I've this as a stake young women's pregnancy, you're just identifying those things, you know, where's the gap and then how can we provide uh, the bridge there for individuals uh, or for, for leaders so that they can then, you know, uh, shorten, you know, shorten the gap with those that they lead. Right. And you're just always in that, that observatory.
3: Where, yeah. Where's
1: the gap and how can we help them fill it? And so even on a stake level with our stake youth committee, We've experienced mm-hmm. this as we, you know, teach them how to be leaders. Mm-hmm. We had an activity last year and um, our, our stake was huge. So we knew like 500 kids were coming <laughs> to this thing. Wow. And, um, they had planned it, but there was a lot of scrambling. People going to the store, you know, 15 minutes before the activity. And there <laughs> just was a lot of what do I do next? And I'm not sure where to be. And, and how are we going to set this up? All of that. And, and I watched that and I was like, this is so interesting. We have a gap between this idea of what we think is planned and actually executing the event. And so, you know, I'm a problem solver. And so I started thinking, all right, how can we fill this gap? And I came up with something called the start to finish walkthrough. Hmm. And at our next meeting, we, we had another activity coming up. At our next meeting, I said, okay, we're going to learn how to do the start to finish walkthrough. What will happen as soon as somebody drives up, drops their kid off in the parking lot?
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Where are people? What are they doing? How will they know how to get there? And we walked through literally every single moment of the activity and made a plan.
2: Uh-huh.
1: We were serving
3: food at that particular one. And I was like, you know, those garbage cans are going to get full.
2: Someone's got to empty them, right?
3: Somebody's got an <laughs> <MTM>. like, <laughs> they came up with the idea, but somebody's got an to empty them and people
1: raised their hand and they said, we'll be in charge. And that whole activity, garbage was going out to the dumpster. Uh-huh. And people were in places, and when they realized that that maybe they they didn't need to be in the place that they planned on being, they came to find another place to be. Yeah, they came like they they knew everything that was going to be happening, and they filled in all the places. Yeah. And by the end, we had the patriarch speaking for that for that activity, and I had talked to him for a few minutes afterwards, and I came into the cultural hall after. Afterwards, with all the food having been served and everything, it was all cleaned up 10 minutes later.
0: Oh, that's great.
2: Yeah.
1: Because people were in charge of the brooms.
2: (laughs) Right. (laughs) You
1: know what I mean? Like they knew their jobs, but the cool part about doing things like this, like giving them a chance to say, okay, I know how to do a start to finish walkthrough. When they did the next activity, like they did the start to finish walkthrough, they Mm -hmm. figured out what all the pieces and parts were. And so the confidence level like skyrockets.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, I mean, when the, when you get the confidence going up, then they feel enabled and uh, whether, you know, before with, with little confidence, you feel like you you don't have the knowledge or, or skill set to do something, but with confidence increase, suddenly you're, you do, you know, and you're, well, we do. Well, yeah. yeah.
1: And yeah. so, so that's what we're always trying to do is mind the gap.
0: Yeah. And I love that concept of just the the start to finish walkthrough because it's easy to be in a meeting and think like, okay, what are we what are we missing? What do we need? And and it feels like, yeah, we're covering all the all the bases, right? We're we've talked through it a few times, we're good. But there's something about like walking the physical space and oh wow, I didn't expect this table to be here, and that's not going to work, so we need to move that. Or like, or you know, who's gonna? What about the trashes? Someone's got to do right and so these things start to surface that you could have never anticipated in, the, in a formal sit-down meeting
1: for sure exactly yeah. and we didn't even physically go walk it we did it in our heads
0: oh okay gotcha we did it in our so head you don't have to be there i mean if you oh, are that's great, you're so. just like
1: mentally imagining a person walking through yeah yeah the experience and what do they need uh-huh. what does that person need in order to have a successful experience and then you you figure out how to fill those needs. And we taught this to one of our wards for their, their girls camp this last year. And so they did a start to finish walkthrough each evening in the girls camp guide. There is a chance to reflect each night like with the youth leaders. And so they use that as a start to finish walkthrough for the next day. And after the event, that was the thing that they loved the most. Oh wow! But why? Why? Why it builds, did they it love
0: confidence? Right?
1: Because of the confidence. Yeah, hundred percent. They knew what they were doing. Yeah, they knew yeah. what they were doing, and so then they feel great about what's going on. They solve problems as they come up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's powerful. Yeah, it's that powerful. is. And so helping them prepare to succeed instead of just thinking, well. You just have to let them fail. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, and and really, in a sense, you're doing that. but You're doing it like uh, in their heads before, and like you know, before they actually fail, they're they're failing, you know, symbolically, I guess you could say, uh, in the walkthrough rather than the in the yeah. actual event, right?
1: Yeah, but there's no fail. Yeah, there's yeah, no. It's win. really powerful. And the yeah, are there things that go wrong? Are there things that they maybe would change or do differently? Of course. Yeah. And that gets to be talked about, but, but you're not looking at it like, good luck. <laughs> I hope, I hope you make it across that gap yep. on your own, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. Cool. What
0: else, uh, before we wrap up here, any other principle or concept that we haven't touched on that we want to make sure we cover?
1: No, I think that's it. I, I think, okay. um, I love the idea that we are teaching these youth
3: to prepare themselves for anything that comes after they turn 18, Mm -hmm. you know?
2: Yeah.
1: They're going to, whatever it is, a mission, a calling, a relationship, anything like that, they're getting ready for it, you know? And like a couple of the girls in our ward, I was thinking about them recently because one of them just started a business and she's only, you know, 20 or something, but
3: she started a business. She went to like hair school or something like that. She's got a business. Well, she can have skills. Yeah. Before she gets there. And that's, that's what's happening is we're creating
1: this environment to, to teach the skills, gain the confidence, and also increase their spirituality. You know, we can, we can purposefully help them
3: focus on Jesus Christ and they can take more ownership of that when they're taking ownership of other things. Instead of just being a passive receiver, they can take ownership of that. Yeah. And those are the, those are the things that,
1: that we're sending them off with. It's powerful.
0: Yeah, it is powerful. And I want to make sure if people do want to check out your book, uh, Messy Victories, I, I assume is it available on Amazon or what's the best place to, it's to get available it?
1: available on Amazon. Yeah. Okay. You. Nice. Yeah, you can just buy it there. And um, let's talk really quickly about the promo code that oh, yeah. have for um, all of the leading saints listeners. And also it's on my website or in my Instagram bio where um, if you go to the website and then click on resources and scroll down to church, because I normally am not a church leadership right. coach i'm a leadership <laughs> coach but um just go to church and it's there and then if you put the promo code saints then you get it for free
0: nice even yeah. better very good. Class,
1: good class presidency training good presidency training for anyone who needs that
0: and then on that website I assume if people do want to you know consider you and your coaching and whatnot that all the information's there
1: yep it's there cool. that's where they can find <clears> it. <throat> Awesome. Oh, and that class presidency training has it for quorum.
2: Okay. It's yeah. Well. So oh, even better.
0: They're almost
1: better. exactly the same, but they're
2: sure. Different. Sure. And
1: I, I will give this little caveat that the app constantly changes. Uh huh. <laughs> the Gospel Library app constantly changes. That is where we are basing this this whole class presidency training on. And if it is different than what is in the training, I am totally going to trust our listeners to adapt. (laughs)
0: That's right. That's right. They can do it. Yeah. Um, Well, Colette, thank thank you again. This has been very insightful and informative. Just so many gems here that'll uh, bless the lives of leaders that listen. Last question I have for you is as you reflect on your time as a leader, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ?
1: Hmm. I think that when we lead, like the savior, we are seeing each person as an individual. And when we when we choose to see each person individually, then it's difficult to not feel like our savior is seeing us individually as well.
0: And that concludes this how I lead See if we can line them up. So again, go to LeadingSaints.org slash contact. And there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. And remember, go to LeadingSaints.org slash 14 to access our full Young Saints virtual library.